This is Eklas. And this is Mecca. You're listening to Identity Politics, a podcast on race, gender, and Muslims in America. Mecca, tell the people where they can find us. You can find us wherever you like to listen to your podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Acast. You can also find us online at identitypoliticspod.com, on Twitter at identitypolpod, and on facebook.com slash identitypolitics. And remember, if you like what you hear, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Mecca. Hey, Eklas. How do you feel? How are you? you, I feel like I'm in those moments right now, you know, on Twitter or like Instagram where they're like, check on your sis. (laughs) (laughs) You okay, sis? (laughs) You okay, sis? Yes, that's it. I'm like, I now fully understand that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm pretty stressed out. Like, very, very stressed out probably more than I perhaps have ever been. Wow. Ever been. Yeah. What's got you stressed? What's got you pressed? Honestly, kind of everything. I think that we have received so, so, so much love for the show recently. We just did this amazing event at Nat Geo. Shout out to everyone who came out, everyone who tweeted at us, who, you know, mentioned us on Instagram, um, who came up to us they came up to me afterwards. And, yeah, I was uh, not present. <laughs> everyone missed you. Um, but who came up to me and expressed, you know, what the show meant to them. But I think there's this moment that we're in where, you know, I, it's very meta. You know, I'm on a stage talking about how I can't represent everyone and how people are sort of coming and approaching and saying how happy they are that I'm representing them. <laughs> yes. Um, and so it's this weird thing that's happening where I'm super excited that we're getting so much attention for the show, but then it creates an additional pressure. And I would just want to make sure I'm like doing everyone right. And you know, just life generally has been very busy. And and honestly, this past uh, week, I also kind of had a day where I just like broke down and cried thinking about like all the ways in which like racism in big and small ways has been like eating away at me for the last few years um, and that I've been in spaces that don't allow me to be fully human. And I mean, that's the whole reason why we do the show, but it just took me like sitting down and letting my guard down a little bit and realizing like, okay, being the first, being the only, it can be a very lonely game. And every now and then you need to just like process what's happened to you and all of the things that you have to let slide just so that you survive and don't go you know, don't go crazy, don't get angry. And so yeah, it's been a lot of just like dealing with reality, but knowing that nothing stops, like you have to keep going, and you don't really have time to process anything. And so trying to build that in along the way has been somewhat of a challenge. Yeah, that's, that's really hard. When it's just like, you have your and like, this is literally on your day off. And you're like trying to manage all of that, right? Because it's been difficult to build that in along the way. So the day that you have off, it just all comes crashing down where you have time to process. And then a day off doesn't really feel like a day off. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And and one of the things that I loved was um, our friends at Black Girl and Ohm. They posted on Instagram like that day that I had off that I was also having this like emotional experience. This quote from Rachel Ricketts that said, the majority of women of color I know are in some stage of adrenal fatigue and burnout. And we need to remember 
that we can do anything, but not everything. I loved that. Yes. Yes, definitely not everything. And I feel like I don't know if it's the same for you, but I know I have the inclination to take on everything. I'm like, okay, so like this week I had people over. Um, We had people over our house for Niftal Shaban. So the 15th uh, night of Shaban, there are like a lot of blessings to be taken in on that night. And I was like, okay, great, come over, I'll cook dinner, and I'll somehow work that same day, and I'll go grocery shopping, and I'll do all of these things. And, you know, Joshua is very good about being like, what can I take off of your plate? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it's cool, it's cool, I got it. And he's like, no, you're going to stress out. (laughs) I'm a strong black (laughs) woman, and I can handle it all by myself. (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, it does not have to be that way. He like, always keeps reminding me like this is not how you have to live your life like Mm -hmm. this is what I'm here for I'm here to help and it was just really nice because he took the day off and like help um do stuff but even still I still managed to stress myself out and I like broke down crying about couscous Mm. (laughs) and it's I I laugh now but it just was like really sad because I was like I didn't cook this to perfection this isn't how it usually is oh my god yes and you're like no you're like I try so hard it just becomes the symbol (laughs) yes it really does and I just like looked back and I'm like first of all you set, you know, really high expectations for yourself, which is, which is a good thing, right? But also a bad thing when you don't meet things that you set out for yourself and you beat yourself up over it. And I had a really reflective moment where I feel like now I've just been having like weekly breakdowns and I'm like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that is not how life should be. And so now I'm in the process of thinking like, really what steps can I take to manage, you know, the things in my daily life? Do you have any ideas? Well, you know, Joshua's first thing was like vicar. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yes. And I was like, yes, that actually is, that's, that's a very good thing that I want to start implementing more of just more moments of peace of like stillness throughout my day. And so I think that when we're performing the five prayers a day, I want to extend that time in my day for vicar. And so I've been doing that recently, just taking like a couple more minutes after I salam out and just like really sitting and vicaring and like focusing and being present in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to be more consistent with that and kind of like elongate that time that I sit in stillness. So right now it's more just like two to three minutes. And so eventually I just want to build up to 10 minutes. Um, and I'm actually going to a meditation class with Monet on Sunday. That's awesome. So I'm really excited about that and just like learning more tips and like tools for just how to be still. I think that's something that has always been challenging for me. Something I get from my mama <laughs> of just like learning how to be still and being comfortable in that stillness. Well, something I want to try to practice. I think you have great timing because you know what's coming up. What is Ramadan? Ramadan. <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, do you did you grow up with that song too? Which song? The one Ramadan is here. No, but Ramadan I want to hear it all like four here, verses. Yeah. <laughs> is here, yeah. That's pretty much it. <laughs> it's oh man, I can't remember her name. <laughs> I think her name is Suad. Actually, uh, she 
was this woman who would sing, you know, the original, I guess, like hyphy wow. <laughs> Muslim music. My dad um, has a Ramadan song that's like, oh, Ramadan yes. is a month of fasting. Ramadan's yeah. a purification. Ramadan is slowly passing. A sacrifice hey. for the rob of creation. <laughs> hey, I love it. I love it. You know, we I was like ready to start like drumming. <laughs> <laughs> We should really just put on a Ramadan concert. We should. Yo, be so lit. But people would be like, stop for a lot. We get so much email. There's so many Sisters. good Ramadan songs. There's also the Native D in Ramadan song, right? Ramadan is here. Yeah. My nephew loves that one. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. But no, so sweet. in all seriousness, I do mention that because, like, you know that saying like greet Ramadan like an old friend and I really feel like it's coming right on time this year I feel like it is a time that you can cultivate a practice of stillness a a discipline of restraint um, a discipline of really knowing your limits because you just don't have the energy to do too much Um, (laughs) yeah you have to like really (laughs) prioritize like what is it that I can do what is it that I need help with what is it I need to turn to others for that I need to turn to like my creator for I feel like part of our just like emotional buildup is like needing Ramadan to purify us, to like clean us out. And uh, I'm really excited that it's here or almost here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, I, I want to talk about it. I feel like every Ramadan we kind of do this check in of like, you know, where, where are you at? Where are you trying to be? We usually do it in private, but I guess we might as well do it on the show. <laughs> I, I suppose we'll see what happens. <laughs> Ramadan. Let's say you're new to a city like DC or Atlanta, where we both live. Where do people go during Ramadan? Like, what is what is how is Ramadan like different than any other time of the year? Yeah, that's you know when you said DC, my immediate. So I've never spent a Ramadan in DC, but my immediate reaction to that was like, you got to be in the clip. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if you wasn't working before Ramadan to try to get in with the in crowd, no. you probably at the house. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My first Ramadan in D.C. was spent like either with my sister or at my apartment or at like random masjids or at like random like embassy or like government iftars, which <laughs> yeah. are just like I a totally DC. different vibe. <laughs> I love DC. DC is so. I don't, it's a whole nother level. Yeah. It's a whole it's nother place. Like, it's crazy. Come to the embassy of like Indonesia's if <laughs> I bet that food was good though. Oh yeah, you know it's lit. But um, yeah, where where do, where do people go in Atlanta? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think Atlanta is somewhat similar to you know if you haven't really been working to try to create relationships to get into exclusive VIP of ties <laughs> that probably won't happen for you during Ramadan. But I do think on the other side, Atlanta has done a great job, like the massages here of trying to facilitate community. And it's hard for me to say this as an insider, because maybe people outside <laughs> who are just coming in don't feel the same way. But I like to believe that like the massages here have tried to facilitate community. So you can go to any one of them and 
feel like, oh, okay, this isn't super awkward. I don't feel alone. Like someone has said salam to me, you know, the food is decent. And then there's like programming that kind of helps you feel like you don't just have to go find someone to talk to, but the iftar program also maybe have someone speaking or doing something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I also think, and I can speak for myself, but you know, I'm shady. I (laughs) I don't (laughs) love people. I don't love random people. When people are are like overly friendly to me, I greet them with suspicion. So, you know, I'm a work in progress. (laughs) But there's something about Ramadan where it's like, let me get your number. Where are you eating at later? Like, do you want to come to the Sahur like event that I'm going to? Like, do you want to come to this like Tarawee? This, you know, and, and there's something about the month that makes me sort of let my guard down a little bit and actually look for people that are outside of like the click or the fold. And so beyond just like institutional programming, just making sure like human to human that I actually see the people that like I'm praying next to that I see the people that, you know, I might commute with like on the bus and that there's, I'm just a lot more confident in approaching them and, and seeing, you know, Hey, you okay, sis, like you got what you need. You got a place to go. You got something to eat. And that, yeah, I've, I've noticed recently in recent years that that's definitely a phenomenon that's like unique to Ramadan for me. And then like, as soon as Eid hits, I'm like back to being stank. Stop it. (laughs) But I I am curious, like, you know, you know, this expression that people use, like Ramadan Muslims, like these Muslims. No, I I don't know what that is. Oh my God. So this is a thing (laughs) where there's some. I'm kidding. I do know what that is. I was about to say, you're just so pious, mashallah. Like, you've never been confused with being a Ramadan Muslim. (laughs) But. You know, so for the uninitiated, Ramadan Muslims are people who you don't really see at community events. You don't really see at the mosque. You don't really see in these Muslim spaces any other time of the year except Ramadan. And it's used as a pejorative term, sort of like these people that ain't really about that life when they're not um, hungry. But um, yeah, what do you think about that term, Ramadan Muslims, and, and how it's used? Yeah, I'm also like, man, you do see these Muslims at Eid too, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> Wait, why can't they be holiday no. Muslims? <laughs> holiday Muslims? No, I'm kidding. I think it's super, super rude. I have never referred to anyone as a Ramadan Muslim, and I don't think that's language that we should be using. Just for the simple fact that, you know, we are always on a journey, and right, amen, our faith you know, it always goes in levels, right? It's, it increases, it decreases, it stays stagnant. And so people are always at different points of the journey. And so it's hard to look to someone else and be like, oh, you're just a Ramadan Muslim, right? But we don't know what's come before. And we certainly don't know what's to come after. And then it's also like, how are you going to turn someone away who's turning to Allah? Like, right? So at any point in your life, no matter what you've done, if you are turning to Allah and that happens to be in the Ramadan, like what a blessing to be able to turn to Allah during that time. And right, seek forgiveness, seek to purify yourself. And honestly, it's hard to stay that way after Ramadan. But the one who doesn't observe Ramadan, like what a blessing that you're missing. And so that's that's how I feel about it. Oh my god, a class. 
I think I'm a Ramadan Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are you? I Tell mean, me. What are the signs? I, what are the signs I think, yeah, I, Honestly, I think it is a possibility. I think I definitely have been a Ramadan Muslim. Like, I definitely think there have okay, been yes. times in my life where you couldn't find me nowhere except during Ramadan. And, I mean, like you were saying, part of it was being on a journey. Part of it was also, quite frankly, just, like, access to community. Like, it does feel really hard to integrate yourself into a community just on any sort of random Tuesday to, like, walk up to a community center or a mosque or an event and be like, yo, like... What's up? You know, like what's the what's the hierarchy here? What's the social structure? How do I how do I like <laughs> Yo, that is that's it. so real. Yeah. You do have to know the politics of a exactly before you walk exactly. in. Like, yeah. How am I supposed to dress? Like what language do y'all speak? Like, you know, like yes. it's just what where is the entrance for women? Is it downstairs? Is it in the back room? Like, is it in a closet? Exactly. <laughs> and so I feel like Ramadan was always a time where again the, that stress, it just like like melted away and I was like I know that people are letting randos like me like in their doors and I'm okay with uh accepting their gracious hospitality and also you know Ramadan like builds up your iman and then the world like through the rest of the year kind of breaks it down and then Ramadan comes again right on time and so I feel like for me no matter where I am like mentally spiritually emotionally um, that is always a month that I know that I can cultivate that closeness and like sense of community. And I think it, it, it's so easy. Like it, it, the burden of community building is like lifted like during that time. And so, yeah, I, it's, it's, I kind of want to like reclaim the term Ramadan Muslims because I think life is busy and there are lots of reasons why you might not be showing up or that you've been scared like out of community and that, you know, we have this special 30 days where maybe some of those inhibitions um, go away and you're able to just like be. Um, and I think that's really important. Yeah, I also, I think, I'm thinking too, the way people have framed Ramadan Muslims has been within the context of like massages. Mm-hmm. And I think that framing is just like not right, right? Like to call someone a Ramadan Muslim because the only time you see them is at the masjid. Like, yes, masjid is great for trying to facilitate community, family life and things like that. But that is not right a requirement <laughs> to being a Muslim that, well, I mean, for men, they have to go to Jummah, right? That is an obligation. But, um, but that, you know, just because you see me doesn't mean that this determines how I've been operating you know, T.I. throughout the rest of my T.I. life. T.I. has a, a phrase about this. You see me in the street shouting, you don't know me. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> don't get it Thank twisted. You. Thank you for you bringing the philosopher, T.I. <laughs> oh, not a song I recommend listening to during Ramadan, but it has some... It's definitely not on the Ramadan playlist. Definitely not. <laughs> Well, let's let's talk about that. I feel like the pressures of community can become so much, right? Where you do start to feel like you're a Ramadan Muslim and you're thinking about others people other people's perception of you, mm-hmm. right? Rather than the direct relationship that you have with Allah. And I think those two I mean it can catch you off balance because 
people will tell you something and then you're like, wait a minute. Just, I think sometimes too, community can be great, but it can also be the thing that really confuses you. If people who don't really know, you know what I mean? Like people who think they possess a knowledge that you don't have, I think, um, I don't know yeah. if that sounds no, too No, no, I think that totally makes sense. <laughs> I mean, it's what we were talking about earlier with like, you need to know the social structure. You need to know what you're walking into. Um, and those things yeah. still exist like during Ramadan. And some people will let it rock because they're like, we're going to have a whole bunch of random people in here and that's fine. Um, and other people are like, no, this is a time to like educate um, the way we do things here. If you're alone, if you haven't been to a masjid in a year, um, if you're new to a city, um, if you're having trouble, like feeling like you belong, that can be the thing that turns you away. Um, and that makes you feel like you have to become someone that you're not in order to just like eat food and pray and like be in community with people that look like you. So it's definitely a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance of like meeting people where they're at, but also, you know, uh, inviting people in uh, to the fold. So we've been talking about like masjid politics, but I also feel like you, Mecca, <laughs> not to put you on full blast, but you are like the plug for the DC crowd. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I am the clip. She is. You have to go through Mecca to get VIP access. Oh my God, please no one contact me for these purposes. I also love whenever you say, I don't mean to put you on blast, you then fully put me on blast. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm just I'm just putting it out there. So I think we were talking about stress earlier. And I know you're someone who I, you do go to the masjid, right? Like when you visit your sister out in Virginia. But I think a lot of your Ramadan to, time, too, is like outside of the masjid, like with all of these iftars. Like I feel like last Ramadan, you had like an iftar almost every night, either at your house, a friend's house. Like, how do you manage all of these invitations? Because Iftar is super late. <laughs> when do you say no? Yeah. Like, when do you say yes? Ooh, so this is not something that I have a magic answer to. Every year, I kind of experiment with something a little different. Um, this year, I am minimizing my recurring commitments. Um, I have a, like, halakha that meets once a week, and so we're going to continue to have iftars together once a week. I also meet up with other black Muslim women in the D.C. area every now and then. So we're going to try and have iftars together once a week. But this year, I really want to focus on tarawih um, because it's a special prayer that only really happens during Ramadan. And I don't think it's something that I've ever fully taken advantage of. Like, I will pray it, you know, on the weekends when it's convenient. Um, if I if I do it a handful of times, I'll feel very satisfied with that. But this year, I want that to be my priority. And so if that means sacrificing like social iftars, then like, I'm glad to do that. Um, because I think, like you said, it can get really exhausting when it when the month becomes just like a month of socialization. And there are things that I love about that. But there, there was literally one night where there was a like, educational program, an iftar, there was sarawi, there was like a suhoor, a qiyam all night, and then there was a suhoor party. And I was just like, okay, I can't be (laughs) hanging with y'all from 5 p.m. to 6 a.m. Like, I where did I do that at? Like, I I don't, I can't do that. So I love and appreciate that people want to soak up like every drop of the month of Ramadan and like spend it together and spend it in community. But you have to know your limits and you and you have to like get rid of the FOMO mindset. And that's something that I had to do, like recognize that like 
I'm going to see everybody I know every night if I wanted to. Like that, that is something that I could do. And like the same people mm-hmm. are going to be here, maybe with one or two extras, but you're not like missing out on anything by taking time to like just have a quiet dinner at home or a quiet dinner like with friends or just like by yourself. Um, and like that, that's okay to take that space because like we talked about at the top of this, like this month is really has so much personal benefit for people at the individual level and sort of sacrificing that to uh, be overly social. It just, it has felt like a shame to me in the past. And I have burnt myself out by doing way too much in Ramadan. Like I had Ramadan for like the first two weeks, I'm doing something every single night. And, you know, in the summertime where you're not even breaking fast till like 9 p.m., it's like you're not getting home until midnight and then you're going to work the next day. Like it's it's too much. It's too much. And then I crash and burn for like the last half of Ramadan. So moderation is key. Um, That's what I'm focusing on this year. I'm trying to keep, you know, I only have two weekly commitments this year. I have maybe one or two other iftars that I've been invited to, but I just want to keep the rest of the nights like open and see if I can, you know, meet up with smaller groups of people, people that I have been cultivating relationships with throughout the year, um, or just have a dinner at home and, and take a nap, you know, because you're tired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Naps are good. Yeah, but how do, how do you say yes and no? Because, you know, you've been talking about DC. Atlanta is popping in its own ways. And I feel like you can go to so many different types of communities, like literally get any type of food that you're looking for. Like, <laughs> it, like yeah, there's so many like Muslims in Atlanta. There's so many black Muslims in Atlanta. Um, yeah. So how do you navigate like being lit <laughs> or just like being like, you know, pious and introspective? That's so funny. I feel like I've changed a lot. I think I used to crave being social more than I do now. And I I think that's mainly because in Atlanta you have to drive. And because you're old. <laughs> yeah, and because I'm old. So if you don't live in East Atlanta, the chances of me seeing you are very, very slim. <laughs> <East Atlanta one. laughs> Unless you're like coming to my house because I don't like to drive outside of the perimeter. <laughs> So that's definitely limited my options. Like even you, Mecca, the other day you were mentioning this masjid that I should go to and you said it was like in Gwinnett. And I was like, that's like 30 (laughs) minutes from my house. Like I will never go there. That's fair. (laughs) And yeah, so I don't have as many invitations to decline, which is good. Alhamdulillah. Like I, I go, I live, you know, around the corner from my home town masjid so inshallah i'll be going there for iftars i didn't go there too much last year but they had some programming that i attended uh some tafsir uh which was really great actually last last year i went and sheikh mindy's was giving a tafsir of suratul mulk and that was really beneficial and so now I've just been reciting it every night um, before bed. So this is actually really good if people are interested in this. If uh, you recite Surah Al-Mulk every night, then on Yom Al-Qiyamah, uh, the Day of Judgment, uh, or Day of Standing, Surah Al-Mulk will come and testify on your behalf and will be a witness to your recitation and won't leave until you're forgiven. And so that's one of the blessings of reciting Surah al And so I think this Ramadan, I'm looking for 
more gems like that. So I'll just try to find myself in spaces that I can receive beneficial knowledge. So I will like attend the iftars, but I think that there has to be some type of knowledge benefit and not to say that I don't enjoy company. Like, of course, like I will attend iftars that are just spaces in which we are connecting with each other, that we're in remembrance of Allah and remembrance of his prophet Muhammad And so I think that's one of my goals this Ramadan. And then also a goal is um, increasing uh, my love for the prophet I think you know, in Chicago, Mecca, we used to go. So Hisham was doing that class, which was like, shout out to Talif, like big shout outs. They do an amazing job at creating community in Chicago. And I know that for both of us coming to a city that we had never been in, Talif was a really great space that facilitated community, like during Ramadan, outside of Ramadan, just like made it really easy to just like truly come as you are um, and be in that space. And a lot of people just would like walk up to us that we like didn't know, just facilitated a lot of relationships. And so they had a class um, that uh, Hisham, I don't know what, what his title Ustav. was. Ustav mm-hmm. Hisham? Ustav Hisham. Um, about just increasing love for the prophet and thinking about like, it's hard to... Um, Kind of, it's hard to increase your amen when you're like kind of working off of nothing, right? Like when the more that we learn about the prophet, the more that we learn how he interacted with others, how he spent his time, like the things that he did for his community. Like when you can look at these very tangible things and be like, wow, like mashallah, like, you know, this is the prophet, the more we can try to reflect those characteristics within ourselves. And so I'm just trying to learn more um, about his sirah, his biography, because that's something I am shamefully just like really ignorant about. And so that's one of my major goals and like strengthening my relationship with the Quran as well. I feel like I've just, I, you I literally have so just goals. Gave a <laughs> like mashallah sister. <laughs> I hope that was a benefit. I felt like at the end you were going to say like, if there's anything that I have said that is incorrect, may Allah forgive me. <laughs> yeah, we should sign off all that time. We should always sign off like that. Because that I know. All praise is due to Allah. All right. <laughs> I love it. You're like ready. Truly, any man's daughter you are. You Um, had that down. I will say (laughs) that on the subject of of community and goals, um, I sometimes feel quite guilty because I recognize that it's a privilege and a luxury to just be able to turn fully inward and to be able to opt out of of community. And I say that because, you know, my home masjid in Atlanta, every night, every single night, of Ramadan, they have an iftar and the, it's yeah. put on by the community and you can walk into the door and they will fix you a plate. And if they don't have enough food, they will find food for you. And uh, my mom has been the lead organizer of that for like 40 wow, years. Mashallah. And like yeah. that is inspiring, but also sad <laughs> because, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever had like a a big, you know, public, anyone can come and like, if they're like, I freak out if there's like more than five people coming over for dinner. You're like, yeah, exactly. On the guest like list. turning people away. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know about that. And, you know, my parents have, you know, always said like, there's so much blessing and like feeding people during Ramadan. Like there's so much blessing in serving others. And that like the work that you do 
for others will like come back to you in ways that you can't identify. Like I remember watching It's a Wonderful Life with them. And if you've never seen this Christmas movie, spoiler alert, it's about this dude who like basically spends his whole life doing everything for everyone else and sacrificing his own education, his own career, his own happiness. And then at a moment of crisis, the community ultimately comes through for him and all of his blessings like come back mm-hmm. to him. And when my parents watched that, they were just like, mashallah, like, this is so great. And I was just like, no, his entire life sucks. <laughs> I was like... I was like, this is not a happy story. Like, he spent his whole life mad. His whole life mad. Who cares about the end of his life? He just one moment of happiness. I'm not trying to spend my whole life mad. Like, you're like, that's that's not not me. me. That's not me. That's definitely something that I think about and that I try to do. And I think that's partially the reason why I'm like not so stank during Ramadan. And like, I will like have dinner with random people and I will check in and make sure people have like places to have iftar because it's like, I know I'm not like going, I'm not necessarily like volunteering at a masjid every night like I did growing up and in high school and actually like serving the community. I know that I'm not like using my hands and skills to like do that. Although last year, uh, Rizwan and I actually did. Uh, volunteer at an iftar and, and pass out plates and it's a really humbling experience man dealing with ramadan people and fasting muslims and when they're like make me another yes. plate put it on the side give me a little bit more of that mac yes. and cheese and you're just like yo this is not a buffet yes. like <laughs> people come up yeah. with two plates they're like oh this is for um you know this is for brother Akil. he's on his <laughs> way like, i'm just trying to make sure we can beat everyone who's actually here right now like i'm not gonna give your child who was not fasting like a big plate like just yeah. whatever that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> but i do feel like that's something that yeah. i think about like the blessings that also exist in serving others like in being in community in volunteering in just like feeding hungry people um and i want to make mm-hmm. sure this year that I don't forget that too, that like my inward goals can manifest themselves externally and benefit myself and others. And that like too much time just like on my prayer rug also isn't the point of Ramadan. So it's definitely a balance yeah. that I don't know that I fully struck, but it's something that I'm I'm actively working towards. Yeah, I'm so happy you brought that up. It is a balance. And it's, it, it feels like a balance that should come naturally, but it like often yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I just I know on Twitter, too, I saw that you're donating. I thought that was a really great initiative. I think you should share that about how you're donating the money that you spend on lunch. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, your girl likes to eat. And I have like a ridiculous budget every month that I spend on lunch because I like my sweet green salads. I like my Whole Foods hot bar. And so, you know, I spend about $10 a day whenever I'm at work on lunch. And so I have decided to participate in the Launch Good Challenge. And LaunchFood is a Muslim crowdfunding site. They fund a lot of projects you know and care about. Um, And they have this Ramadan challenge where you can either manually or automatically contribute a certain amount of money. It can be a dollar. It can be $5. It can be $15, depending on how generous you're feeling. And every single day of Ramadan, contribute to a campaign. And so some of those campaigns are, you know, masjid building initiatives. Some of them are providing critical services to vulnerable populations. They, they have a whole wide range of projects that are uh, 
launched on their website. And so I thought, what better way to observe Ramadan than to literally put my money where my mouth is and uh, apply money that I honestly just would have been spending elsewhere just on me and service of others. So it was a nice way to try and start to get into the spirit of Ramadan. And I hope that it's something that I can continue because giving more to charity and um, volunteering more has been a, a goal of mine for quite some time. I think when you work in policy or, you know, in these like big picture systemic type types of things, you're always focusing on like, what's the what's the best way to achieve long term uh, change and achieve like long term goals and fixes in society. But you can't ignore people that need food today and need clothes today. Um, and that there's also opportunity to help with some of those immediate, you know, urgent challenges that people face as well. We've been talking a lot about Ramadan and how we approach it, how we prepare for it, how we try and get the many blessings that are baked into it. But uh, what do we want to continue after Ramadan? Like, you know, we set all these goals. What's something that you want to make sure you see uh, continue? And even in the conversation about community, like how do you hope to stay in community with others once this month is over? Yeah, actually, I don't know if I can answer this without having gone through Ramadan yet. <laughs> Do you have an answer for this? I mean, sure. I'm just generally, balance is something that I'm always hoping to achieve and strive for and work towards. Like I was just discussing, making sure I have a good balance of the inward and the external, making sure that I have a good balance of like long-term goals and short-term goals of cultivating relationships and also just meeting people like as they come and go and and. I want to live a life of more moderation um, because I think that would also help with my stress levels, which are off the charts right now. I can't remember if I talked about this in a previous podcast episode, but about how I learned last year about the season of Ramadan and how that starts in Rajab. And so Rajab is the month of just like seeking forgiveness. And then there's Sha'ban, which is the month of uh, our Prophet And then there's Ramadan. And so this Ramadan, I've really just been super aware of that and taking these moments to prepare myself for Ramadan. And so kind of like emptying out by seeking forgiveness, increasing love for the Prophet, and then like being ready for Ramadan. So after Ramadan is over, I hope to continue this mindset right of like there's a season for everything and so ramadan is a moment where we can get the most blessings right it's one of the holiest months throughout the uh, lunar year but there are also other moments throughout the year and so something i've been trying to be more conscious of is following the lunar calendar and looking for those special moments, those special nights. And so it's been really nice to have a spiritual teacher who can make me aware of these things. Because honestly, I'd never heard of Nifsul Sha'ban, like the 15th um, night of Sha'ban and all of the blessings that come down in that night. And so that's that's really nice because it's like, yeah, as we talk about sometimes during Ramadan after you'll fall off on things <laughs> that you had done so well in those 30 days. So really knowing that like Allah is truly most merciful and like throughout the year he provides moments where you can be like, 
dang, I really messed up. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, you know, on this night, if you do these du'as, you know, you're forgiven like a thousand times over. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so like, just like really knowing more about those moments and like tracking the calendar and being aware, I think is what I hope to continue doing after Ramadan. Speaking of, you know, advice and counsel and religious knowledge, uh, my five-year-old nephew Tarek had some had some important words of wisdom about how to take advantage of this special month. So I think we might want to share that with them to wrap up for this episode. Yeah. So listen to Mecca's adorable nephew Tarek. I feel like I've like just seen him grow up and blossom. He's so wise. He is so wise. He knows more stories than me, which look, he is like giving me Quran goals because I'm like, okay, this is embarrassing. So well, he's great. Well, we'll end with that. And We'll be coming back during Ramadan. Last Ramadan, we took a break, but this Ramadan, we are going full force ahead and we have a series, a Ramadan series. So we hope that you listen to that and that it's helpful as you navigate Ramadan on those super, super hungry days and days where you're fed up and stressed out. Um, hopefully ha, this fed will... up. No pun intended. <laughs> oh, true. I'm so late. I didn't Anyways. even catch that. <laughs> Ramadan Mubarak, y'all. Ramadan Mubarak. So, what's your name? Tarek. And how old are you, Tarek? Five and a half. Okay, and where do you live? Um, in Virginia. In Virginia. Yeah, so we have a very special month coming up. Do you know what that month is called? Ramadan. It is called Ramadan. And what's the big deal about Ramadan? Like, why do people care about it? Because it's like a month that, that can get many rewards, even for, even for the tiniest good good deeds. What are, like, some of the good deeds that you try to do during Ramadan? You should give give zakat to the to to the poor, pray as much as you can, and do the extra prayer. How does it make you feel when you do some of these good deeds? I feel like happy because I like doing good stuff. I like when I was younger, I really wanted to go to Jannah. Oh, when you were younger, you wanted to go to Jannah. Oh, that's nice. Um, so last year, I remember that you practiced fasting. Is that true? Yeah. How was that experience for you? Um, that was awesome. Um, I, I really, when I was um, younger, I really wanted to like fast, fast because it, because I really liked it. Didn't you get hungry throughout the day? Yeah, but I keep. I keep trying to not eat. Was it hard or was it easy? It was easy. It was easy. Wow. And do you think you're going to try fasting again this year? Yeah. I'm going to like try to fast for 17 days. 17 days? Yeah, I think that's a lot, but but I'll, I'll try my best. That's great. So I think uh, that was pretty good information. Is there anything else that you want my listeners to know about Ramadan or about fasting? Um, uh, when you fast, how, um, when you fast, that 
that means you can't eat anything because it will be very sad to break your fast during the middle of the day because 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 you have the ha- fast until Maghrib. And if, if there's anyone who's fasting for the first time this year, do you have any advice that you want to give to them? Um, if you can't do it, you can you can um, try try to do it so you so you can so you, you try try to do it so you so Allah can be pleased with you. Good luck. All right. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, Targ. I enjoyed having you. Thank you. Identity Politics is a podcast created by me, Ikhlas Salim. This episode was produced by Ikhlas Salim and Mecca Ali. And music is by Ibrahim Azam. Thanks for listening. Till next time.